the folks that makes the rules. You don't think they could fix this problem if they chose to? You know, hospitals have well care systems. What happens if everybody's healthy? What happens to every if everybody knows how to feed themselves? Do you know the economy that that would collapse? Okay, I, I don't need you to grow my food. Guess what? I got it right here. And if I don't, Martha down the street got some onions and Tony right next to me got oranges and, and, and Sally's got these bomb ass carrots. You know what I'm saying? So do you understand how that could collapse certain industries? <laughs> Good day, friends, and welcome to the Feeling Full Podcast. I'm Mordechai, an entrepreneur and coach who struggled with being overweight for nearly two decades. But since 2012, I've lost 130 pounds and have kept it off. Join me and my guest today to discover how it's possible and even simple to lose weight with ease, without going on crazy diets and without doing intense workouts. If you're ready to give up quick fixes and fad diets and build a fulfilling relationship with your body and food, then this show is for you. Today, our guest is Ron Finley. Ron was a Los Angeles-based fashion designer turned gorilla gardener. He's widely known for his TED Talk called A Gorilla Gardener in South Central LA, and his masterclass was called Ron Finley Teaches Gardening. In 2010, Ron dug up a strip of land between his house and the street and started planting fruits and vegetables. It was illegal to plant on that land between the sidewalk and curb, but Ron got the city of Los Angeles to change the law. Ron describes... South LA as a food prison with barely any real food available for miles. In our conversation today, we discussed why Ron's so passionate about gardening, why gardening and planting your own produce is so important for your personal freedom, the power of plants, how plants are communicating to us, and the impact they have on our lives. If you want to plant a garden this summer, it's not too late. Stick around to learn what Ron recommends you plant in your garden this year to enjoy fresh, delicious produce. Thanks for listening, and let's jump right in. Ron, it's great to have you today. It's great to be here. Thanks for um, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, look at that background. I remember um, not too long ago being in your your pool garden. Now you're sitting in, are you sitting in the pool or is that the background? I'm in the pool. Uh, I mean, this is one of those faux backgrounds. You know how people be floating around because they have those <laughs> fake backgrounds. This is fake. This is not a real peach tree. I'd be questioning if I didn't witness it myself not too long ago. So, so if, if you can't see the video, Ron is actually sitting in his pool, which he's converted to a um, I want to say garden, but it's not really a garden. It's a food forest. It's such a full on all types of trees and plants and vegetables growing in this, what was a pool at one time, a massive pool at one time in South LA. So it is insanely cool and inspirational. Well, it's, it's still a pool, you know, it's, it's just been reimagined, you know, for urban environment. I wish I had at least three quarters of it was still a pool, especially with the way we're supposed to have the sun in the next three days. I'd, I'd love a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can convert part of it back. Well, you got that waterfall going in the well, background. We got the waterfall. That, that, that's a start, you know. I want to drop in with some, um, a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll, yeah. we'll get things going. All right. Mm-hmm. So if all the plants in your yard were your friends, which plant would be your best friend? Uh, sunflowers. Sunflowers and why? Because they make people happy. They make it's almost impossible. Look, just you thinking about a sunflower, your face change. You got this smile on your face. And that is so funny because when people hear sunflowers or they see sunflowers, they they literally smile. So yeah, that's why. I want to change people's DNA. And I think that's a start to going there. Awesome. Yeah. My mom loves sunflowers. They do bring like a lot of a lot of light into people's lives. All right, second question for you. 
What mm-hmm. fruit or vegetable has surprised you the most and why? That's how, the question's too open, Mo. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm giving you a lot of options here. I know you got a no. lot of plants. Give me that question again. What vegetable or vegetable. fruit has surprised you the most and why? I don't know. I mean, the, the first, when you, you asked it the first time and the second time, what came to my mind is mangoes because I can grow them and ha- don't have to buy them from the store, I guess. <laughs> I love mangoes, you know? Yeah. You got mangoes growing in your yard? Oh, yes. But I, I got them on the, up on the roof, on the container. There's mangoes growing in there. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So I want to start with something that's a bit personal and a little bit embarrassing. And you may find it a bit weird, but actually you may not find it a bit weird, but people listening may find it a bit weird. But when before the pandemic, if a weird person tells you you're going to find some shit weird, it's probably weird as hell. Exactly. <laughs> before the pandemic, I had um, a place in Brooklyn and I had some really big plants. Right. And often I would find myself like touching the leaves of this one plant in particular that I felt a really strong connection to. And I almost felt like I was communicating with it or it was communicating with me telepathically. And I'm wondering, do you ever talk to your plants? I'm not one of those plant talking people unless they not doing what they're supposed to do. I had a woman that she had this lemon tree. It, it wouldn't give her lemons for years. And uh, so one time she went and cussed the tree out. You don't grow. I'm going to cut your ass down, blah, blah, blah. And the next season, it just flourished with lemon. I mean, do I believe that? Yeah, because we got to realize that this stuff is alive. This stuff is energy, just like we are. So is there some realness to that? Yeah. I mean, it's this whole planet. And I, don't, I don't think we go there enough. Whereas this a planet alive and everything that this planet produces is alive. You know, including the mountains, you know, the rocks, everything that Mother Nature produces is is alive. But we haven't been trained to think that the water is alive. That's why it goes bad. That's why it gets it's like real food, you know, where real food mildews, <laughs> you know, and it decomposes. Whereas a lot of the stuff you get in these bags and from these fast food places, you could sit it. You can sit it around for months and it's never going to get any mold. It's never going to decompose at all. So I don't know if you've ever had that. They put electrons on the, um, on the plants. Have you ever, have you ever seen that happen? And they, they connect them to a computer and you can hear the plant sound. You can hear their vibrations. You can hear the sounds they're making. I experienced that. And it was this one in this room, you know, they, this woman had, she's famous for it too. They had closed, you know, set off this room and just put a bunch of plants on and put electrodes on. So this one, I walk in and she said, Oh, that's the plants. And and I'm hearing this plant going, and then I hear this plant, whoa, whoa, like straight bass bottom, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, wow. I said, so where's the bass speaker? She said, that's not a speaker. That's that's the Ethereum. I said, no, it's not. So she said, take the pad off of it. And I put it back on. Whoa, whoa. So all of this room. You feel like you were in a specter, field specter, like wall of sound, you know, because it's just vibrating. So I'm like, wow. So we got to realize that these plants do communicate, you know, with each other. They do. Um, they call on different things. Like when I don't know if you know about the alpine, the trees um, that they all talk to each other, you know, one the biggest living organism in the world. So, yeah, I believe all that. All the, everything is a vibration, man, you know. 
it must be crazy because I mean, you're surrounded by plants right now. And I guess, I mean, when I'm in nature, I feel much better when I go on a hike, when I, you know, walk around barefoot, I feel really grounded, connected. And it's obviously because of the deep connection that we have to plants. And I guess, you know, this is a great segue into my next question, which is, you know, medicine men say that, you know, plants used to tell them how to, or used to, or still do tell them how to be used for medicinal purposes. And this is really interesting because it's before science showed that, you know, people were able to predict, you know, what different plants were used for. I'm curious, do the plants have the ability to communicate with each other in a way that we can understand, right? So that sound that that's being putting out, they're communicating with each other, but in a way that, you know, especially indigenous tribes could understand what actually the sounds were saying and trees and other plants saying, mix this with that for this purpose, and it's going to heal you in this way. Well, you got to realize that plants too, when they're under attack, they'll, they'll communicate with each other. Like if a certain bug is, is screwing them up or things like that, they do send out messages to each other. It's, and that's why, you know, they t- tell people to eat real living food because it's that energy you're getting, you're not just getting the vitamins, you're getting the nutrient, but you're getting the energy that's in that plant too. I mean, especially after seeing that I don't know what's what's this doctor? There's a, a Japanese doctor, I think it's emoji. What does he do? He does this thing with water where he and you can find it online where he exposes the water to positive words and negative words. Have you, you seen that? I've, I've heard about this. Yeah, and it changes colors. Man, the water gets murky if it's if it's negative words and opposite if it's positive. Uh, you you know you a lot of that stuff you. You can't deny. I, I think what's happening, though, with a lot of this, um, a lot of this technology is giving us atrophy of our of our minds and bodies. And we don't realize it. We think it's convenient. We think the fact that we can push a button and all of a sudden a car winds up at our door, you know, that we can either rent, buy or it's, you know, or take a ride somewhere that you don't have to know how to cook food. You don't know how to pick food because they'll do it for you. So what you, what's happening with all this? You're not using the receptors and the electrons in your brain. So basically, and I ain't no scientist, but it's, I mean, you got to watch it. Our brains are getting atrophy. So we're not using them. And, and just like any other part of your body that you haven't used for years and you go to try to use it, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> you know, so I think we need to realize that we need to get back where people do shit, you know, where they touch it, they build shit, they, you know, where we communicate. I think a lot of this technology is is killing a lot of that because it's making us weak and lazy. And technology doesn't, you know, communicate, like doesn't have that, that sound that those those plants had that you experienced, right? So there's a certain sound coming from the plants. Technology doesn't have that sound. So we're, you know, by default, creating a separation and disconnection by using and connecting to technology, which doesn't have that some sense of communication that is communicating to us and maybe a higher intelligence than, you know, a phone would or a computer would in a different way. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's more advanced than all of that. Right. And that's what we need to get to. I mean, we need to have an appreciation for soil, man, period. You know, that, again, there's something that's alive. We don't treat it like it's alive. We treat it like it's dirt. Uh, but when you think life comes out of it and life goes back into it, and then it gives you life again, <laughs> you, you, it's, it's not sustaining itself. It's regenerating. And that's what we need to get to is regenerative practices for everything, for business, for school, things that 
that give back, not just keep it the same. And that's what sustaining means. It, I'm sustaining myself. <laughs> that means I'm right here and there's no growth in sustainability, you know. So before you got into sustainability, regenerative farming and, you know, urban farming, all the, all the work that you're doing now at this part of your life, I want to get, get into a little bit of background into Ron Finley. So you were into fashion for a while. You were a fashion designer. Is that right? No, I was a porn star. Porn star, fashion designer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. Kidding, kidding. I know. Like, yeah, I know. I, uh, he, uh. I was a fashion manufacturer and designer. That's what I did most of my life. I mean, I, I studied tailoring at 15 years old, so I wanted to be a master tailor. I wanted to be able to throw a jacket up in the air and it would levitate. I wanted that it was so tailored. It was so balanced. It was so fitted. That was my goal as a, as a kid, <laughs> which is strange <laughs> when you think about it. You know, but yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And you, and you pursued that career for a while? For years and years and years, I was in the garment industry. Yep. How did you go from the, gar the garment industry to the gardening industry? There's no difference. I get that question a lot of times. There's no difference. I mean, where, do, where does fabric come from? Right. You know, nobody, nobody thinks about that. Where does colors come from? Mother Nature. Where does fabric? All of it. You're still dealing with earth systems either way. And you're still creating. You're still making art. You know, you can't. People are like, how do you, how, how's that? How do you, wow, that's a big deal. No, it's not a difference. You know, we don't, we, we think inside these silos, we think inside these boxes and it keeps us from being creative. There's no difference between fashion <laughs> and because when we think fashion, that's the only thing we think of is clothes. And that's not the definition of fashion. You know, we need to get out of these boxes and, and realize there ain't no box. There is no line. color outside the lines because we're with that whole mentality. We're confining ourselves and we're confining our thoughts and we're confining our, our ideas. And we should just, hey, just go crazy with it. And we're, we're not trained to do that. We're trained, you know, to be from day one, to be greedy bastards from one. But we're, we're also trained to our creativity is not um, infinite, you know, and that's what we should think about. I mean, I got kids now. I, I, I don't dream. I ain't got no time for no dream. I'm like, how dreams are free. <laughs> so how can you see something? How can you, you can't imagine that something might happen differently. So, of course, they go the path that they see put in front of them, which has been designed for them to go down that path. Because we have stifled their creativity, we have stifled their imagination. And with this, if you could see something more than likely, you could do this magical word. You can manifest it, you know, but it's all by design, you know. If you take me back to when you realized this epiphany that it was the same thing, gardening was going to be the same thing as the tailored dream that you had since you were 15. I didn't go there. You know, your, your mind doesn't go there. You, you go where uh, the spirit takes you. None, none of, you know, the only thing that possibly was planned was the, was the garment part. I mean, this gardening part was not, not planned. I, I didn't associate it with fashion. But it is. It's, I mean, what kind of fashion of gardening do you do? It's still a creative process. It's still an artist. This is my rendering. This is my graffiti. I can show you how I feel. I can make you feel a certain way, just like a painter, just like a sculpture can do. I can make you question things. So it's different between farming and gardening. But I, I don't think that I, I was consciously like, oh, okay, yeah, um, this, is the, this is the same as, as fashion you know, has manufacturing clothes. 
I mean, no, I, I didn't go there. I'm trying to figure out how you became a how, how gangster guardian came from, you know, Ron the Taylor. Because I was a gangster designer. You better ask somebody. You know, everything I do is gangster. I've, I've seen your I've seen your gardening apron. <laughs> I walked in and I'm your gardening apron. I'm like, wow, that is not an average gardening apron. What you were wearing, I was like, this man's really showing up for work. No, it's it's. I mean, you 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 know, people are like, oh man, you found you found your passion, and I'm like, huh? I said, anything I do is my. If I'm doing it, it's my passion. If I'm walking, that's my passion. If I'm breathing, which I do, I'm a professional breather. I got a certificate for. That's my passion. You know, if you're having sex, that's your passion. If you're eating, every if you're passionate, everything you do has passion. You know, you don't pick this one thing and just go balls out. Oh, this is my passion. No, you know, no, everything you do, you put your foot in it and smash, you know, and, and try to try to uh, undo paradigms and set new ones. You know, um, I mean, the whole thing about this gardening thing is it's not a, even about the food to me. You know, people are like, why would you garden? I'm like, why wouldn't I garden? You clown, it's, why wouldn't I be able to feed myself? And that's what we don't realize, it's freedom. You can feed yourself, you, you know, you can sustain yourself or you can regenerate yourself. You can do all that. But if you don't know how, you're stuck, you're a slave to the system. And that's what people don't get. They think that this is lowly work. No, this is not, this is some of the most positive, the most honorable work you can do is know how to grow your own food because it's something you can teach others to do. You can teach others. So basically what I'm doing, I'm teaching people how to be free. Yeah, I'm with that. You know, you're teaching somebody how to be able to, the, the most important thing for them is to eat and you're teaching them how to survive. The most important thing to us all is air. Nobody says that, you know, they, oh, I said, what's the single most important thing to your life? And I'll ask it three times, a single most important thing to your life. And people will always say my, you know, my kids, my daughter, my son, my, my wife, or somebody, my cats, my dogs. And, oh, I know food, food. I'm like, hell no. Oh yeah. Water. I'm like, no, water is not the single most important thing to your life. Cause you can live without days for water. You know, it's air. <laughs> Try living without days for air. See, see how that works for you. <laughs> and I do that to make people look at it a certain way. Here's something you can't even see in most cities. And it's the single most important thing to your life, not only to your life, to everything on this damn planet. Air. It's not. And people say, well, water's right up there. I said, I said the single most. H2O, what do you think the O is for in water? <laughs> so even water has oxygen in it. So, and I say that just to change people's perspectives. Why aren't we pledging allegiance to air every day? We take it for granted every day. We don't, you don't think about it. You don't, you, you never think about, oh, I got this air in my lungs. Wow, it's just, it's making this planet regenerate. It's, it's bringing life to everything, oxygen. That's a great point. I always thought I always was under the impression of food and water, but yeah, I never haven't thought about it like that. You're right on. I actually went scuba diving this weekend with a buddy out here in Did Hawaii. You? Nice. And going under the water with an oxygen tank. I'm a, have you have you done scuba diving before? No. No. No, it's funny cuz I I've gone down where guys with a snorkel where guys are, you know, what they call it, um training to be right. to scuba dive, but I'm sitting there taking pictures with them. <laughs> you know, my hand around and I got my snorkel on because once I mean, being being in the city, you get this tension. I mean, being in the water every day is a whole nother thing because you just live. But being out of the water and not next to it and not not exposed to it, 
So you, I get in the water and it's like, <laughs> right. And, and I'm hype, you know, hype, but it, it takes me like a day or two, man, to get out of it and get back to, you know, where I, I mean, it, it was a point, man, I was, I was holding my breath for like two and a half minutes, you know, when, wow. I, when I, when I was practicing. So give me a couple of days, you know, being in it and losing this, you know, being land, a land animal and getting that water. So it comes back, you know, and you can get it. So, yeah. Yeah. So exactly that. And you kind of get hyperventilated like you're, like you were describing and with scuba, you're kind of going really deep under. So, you, you know, at first you're kind of like, it takes a while to adjust and you start to panic a bit. Exactly. And yep. that, and, and to your point, I, you know, I completely agree now. It's like, we, you know, without, we don't pay attention to how we take air for granted and breathing for granted. It's a, that's a, that's a powerful, powerful point. You see those skin divers, man, that just go down without I don't know how many. Yeah. With seven minutes and crazy <laughs> without, without, <laughs> without a tank, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's next level. But it's not, we all have that capacity. You know, you, you think we were born in fluid. You know, it's just that, and that has, you know, somebody that's on an island next to the water, they can handle it a lot more than, than a lot of us that's locked, you know, in the cities. Um, but I think it's, again, going straight back to what we were talking about at first is you being exposed to it, that because you're not exposed to it now, this is what you think, this is how your body has conformed, you know, but if you're constantly exposed to it, it's going to be a part of you and it's going to be natural. You know, it's not natural for us to be in the water, but once it becomes natural, it's like, hey, I mean, that's where we're from. Yeah, it takes a little while to get acclimated to that. I'm definitely more comfortable on the ground. Let's yeah. just say <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, I want to I want to take us back to before you did your planning on the street of uh, the street of South L.A. When you decided to do that, what was your thought process around that? And for those who don't know, maybe you can just kind of give us a little bit of an update on what, what that is. Well, I got the law change in L.A. after, you know, the city um, threw me under the bus a couple of times. I got the law change where you can plant food on the parkway, which different places call them different things. But it's the, the verge between the, the street where the cars are and the sidewalk. Some people don't have a sidewalk in certain cities. Uh, they just have dirt and then they have the road. so. Uh, some people call them verges, like I said, but, um, so I got the, and mostly in LA, they have them everywhere and it's just acres and acres of land. It could be utilized other than grass or for people to throw their trash or people's dog poop or whatever the hell we can grow food there. So basically my, when I started, the idea was, okay, I want to walk out and, and be assaulted by beauty. I want to have beautiful smells and I want you know, hummingbirds laying on my shoulders and butterflies, you know, kissing me on the forehead. And I wanted to have this kind of beauty around me. I wanted to smell jasmine and lavender. And, and, and I didn't, it was like people's toilets and their dressers and their refrigerators and their mattresses and, and cigarette butts and trash. You know, people would just throw, you know, their shit on the street. They used it like it was a garbage pail. And you go to other neighborhoods where other persuasions live. And it wasn't like that. So I said, okay, it's not here. Let me put it here. That's how that started. You know, I got in trouble with the city because they were, somebody reported me, um, older woman down the street reported me. For what? And for um, planting banana tree, for planting that I planted. I had banana trees. 
a headband because it was given the most beautiful shade and it actually it actually uh, was crazy because and a lot of stuff I learned I didn't know I didn't know if I put those banana trees that it would cool my building you know and it did um, but you're also cleaning the air uh, you're also taking uh, the heat index from the asphalt and the concrete down because it's shading it so you're not getting you know the the gases that we can't see it's cooling all that down because it's not heating up. So yeah, so the, so the popo came after me, and I wound up getting a warrant uh, for my arrest for planting carrots because <laughs> you couldn't plant food on them. And so I tell people, embrace your haters because they make you famous. Because if it wasn't for the hate her, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I wouldn't have been, you know, I wouldn't have traveled around the world. I wouldn't have been able to have people listen to me and tell me that I inspired them to change their lives, you know, from India to Compton. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's basically it happened because somebody was being a hater and being jealous. I mean, my, my, I think she told them that she was afraid somebody's going to come from behind a banana tree and, you know, rob mugger or something. So it was like, Oh, and, and the thing about it, she didn't even walk down this side of the block. So it was crazy. But, and and still to that point, I still get that. I still get people, you know, t- attacking or trying to um, just violate what I've done. You know. So so what happened after she reported you? Well, they came and told me that I had to take take everything out. Somebody else came. Oh, you don't have to take that out. Take this out. Somebody else came and said you have to take everything out. And so the first time it happened, I I took everything out, and it was hard because I had these banana trees and you know agapanthas and amaryllis growing. And it was it was just hard, you know, to take this stuff out. And we did. And so, you know, that was that was that I had to go. I went to court and it was cool. But the second time, which was years later, I figured they forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really same. resonate. I really resonate with your um, your relationship to authority. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's real. If my thing is authority to who? You know what I'm saying? You're, if if you, it's like you you made me think of this comment I said at a um, a mayor's conference, and you know they were we were talking about somebody said something about underserved communities, and I said okay why are underserved communities underserved? And they're like, oh you know that's long you know it starts with this and that. I said no it's real simple it's not long it's not complicated and I'm I said under and this is exactly why I said that's what I'm gonna say I said underserved communities because you don't fucking serve them. I said, you want to debate that? I said, other communities say avocado toast and it magically appears in their hand. You know, so why can't I say avocado toast in my neighborhood and it magically appears in my hand? You know, why don't I have trash receptors on my street? Why don't I have healthy food in my neighborhoods? Why do I, why is there so many liquor stores? The, ne- the nexus of death, <laughs> the triangle of death. Why I have fast food, liquor stores, and uh, diabetes clinics is the perfect match <laughs> you know so yeah so that's by design because it's not like that in other communities man he, he couldn't debate me because he you know he didn't have no how could you come back to that if you want stuff there put it there and that's what the, that's where i came from you don't have this in my community you're not putting it here i'm gonna put it here don't stop me from doing it i'm not giving you authority over killing me you know, it's like, mm. that's a, to me, that's a form of slavery, you know, and it's racist. It's racist as hell. 
So you went ahead and go did it. You did it a second time. You 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 planted the trees a second time. How many years later are we talking? I don't know, six maybe. I don't seven. I don't. Remember. Let me see. Something like that. And and the same thing happened. And I think the same woman <laughs> reported me. Still worried about the banana trees. Yeah, and I told him bring it. I said, and that's what I told him. You're not bringing healthy food to our neighborhoods. Don't stop me from doing it. And I fought it. That's what I, you know, one of the things I talk about in my, in my TED talk, which by that time I had started a group, which I eventually left, you know, because they didn't, they didn't see things the, the way I wanted to see them. And they were the aesthetics of what they were doing wasn't what I wanted to do. So yeah, it was a lot, it, it turned into a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy because people basically wanted, Hey, we want to talk to the black guy, move out the way, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that caused a lot of dissension. And eventually you got the law changed. Yes. 20, da, 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 15, maybe? For, yeah, 2015, I think it was changed. Uh, park, every, all the parkways in the city of Los Angeles. Some people still get harassed because I get a lot of phone calls because they really haven't sealed it. You know, like put, it's not really, what should I say, done yet. But I think a lot of it was done to shut me up. I, you know, it turned out that I, I knew a lot of people in low places, you know, so, so they're like, how the hell does he know them? How the hell? So like, okay, somebody just shut it. So that's basically, I think they, they changed the law because one, it was the right thing to do. But number one plus was that I was embarrassed in the city of Los Angeles, but the news spread around the world because I was talking to the Wall Street Journal, NPR, LA, Steve Lopez, LA Times, you know, he was one of the first to to break the story because they had they had not returned my phone calls in like eight months you know because uh they were ready, ready to steamroll me that's i mean that's i think that's really powerful how you changed like are you influenced changing a law because i think so many people take your situation for granted that this is this is the way it's got to be this is the way it is you know it's like you live in a, a food desert or what you call is a food prison in south in the south side of la and I think that a lot of people don't realize they can do something about it, even though if it's not necessarily the easiest thing. And I think that's one thing that I, I really respect about your work is that you really stood for what you believed was right. And you just didn't take it because it was being given to you. You just kind of, you know, you went at it with, with a different perspective. You said something about easy way out. And I get a lot of emails because people are like, what's the easiest way to do this? What's the easiest way to do that? I'm like, why the hell you want to know the easiest way? Why don't you figure out the hardest way to do it? Because that's going to challenge you and you're going to learn more with that. So I said, I'm not telling you the easiest way to do it. Because again, there's stuff that we need to figure out because like if somebody works for me, I want to see them under a a situation that they're stressed. But okay, how are you going to get out this box? Are you going to figure it out? That's the kind of people I want working for me. You're buried under this thing. You're you're trapped in here. Are are you going to figure out? Are you going to MacGyver your way the hell out of here? I want people like that around me, not, okay, what's the easiest way? <laughs> because a lot of the times you're not learning nothing with the easiest way. Yeah. I think we need to be put into situations that check us, that awakens ingenuity inside of us. And I think those situations do that. You've been planting other gardens as well in your neighborhood in South LA. Have you seen change? Not just LA. I've, I've helped in gardens around the world, but I don't claim them. You know, everybody asks me, how many gardens have I done? I said, I don't know. I got one garden and it's mine because I don't maintain them. I, and I tell people, I'll help you, but I'm not the help. So don't get it twisted. Uh, I love that. 
that's that, that's powerful. You got you, you got some really some really um, powerful things. You you mentioned I think in your talk or one of your talks I saw, which was the idea that like cities we don't use parks and open land to just grow produce, right? We use them. We find other reasons to them, maybe to sell them to build buildings or infrastructures of sorts. Why don't we just create food force that would help out people, A, who are struggling to buy food and people who aren't educated about food, right? Now you'll have both of those problems solved, which are two of the biggest problems. I'm curious, is there a path forward that you see a universe where that's going to happen? Is it a problem? Let's ask yourself that. Who's the problem? 100%. 100%. 100%. For who? For who though? For the communities who are under-resourced. Okay, so who is it not a problem for? Right, for the folks who have money. <laughs> no, no, right. The folks that makes the rules. You don't think they could fix this problem if they chose to? You know, hospitals had well care systems. What happened to that? What happens if everybody's healthy? What happens to every if everybody knows how to feed themselves? Do you know the economy that that would collapse? Okay, I, I don't need you to grow my food. Guess what? I got it right here. And if I don't, Martha down the street got some onions and Tony right next to me got oranges and, and, and Sally's got these bomb ass carrots. You know what I'm saying? So do you understand how that could collapse certain industries? <laughs> mm. Imagine if we all were happy. Imagine if we all were free from this system. That would fuck a lot of shit up. Mm. So, but you don't think so. Who is it a problem for? Let's right. go there. You know, uh, so that's why that's why I asked you that question. <laughs> right. who, do, who is it a problem for? Because who made the problem? It's like, we'll go back. Why isn't it healthy right. food over here? And corporate greed. There you go. Corporate so no, greed. it's like you, you think they're going to put themselves out of business. It's like people, you know, we got these complexes, you know, the medical industrial complex, the prison industrial complex, the food industrial complex and on and on and on. So just imagine if. It's like take the criminal injustice system where people say justice system. There's no justice. So imagine if that was we were to stop that or if we just knocked it down 75, 20, 35 percent. Do you know what businesses that affect? Nobody thinks about it like that. OK, the people that make the handcuffs, the people that makes the gun, the people that put the, make the tires for the cars, the people that equips the cars, put the radio in there, put the shotguns in there, the people that put the computers in there, the uniforms, the badges, all of these are made by different people, <laughs> different industries. OK, let's go inside to the prison, the board, the security, the person that built the, the prisons, the, the barbed wire manufacturers, the bedding, the mattress guy, the person that, that makes the sheets. Let's go to the commissary, the people that make the food. Let's let's go to the the you get where I'm going with that. <laughs> it's like all of these are different industries that depend on these things. Let's go to the to the courthouses. How many people are working in these courthouses doing what? So all of a sudden you stop, you cut down on crime 50 percent. You see, it's economics, man. And nobody thinks about it like that at all. And one way to that, one way to that utopia is through knowledge. It's through growing, first of all, growing your own food. Because if you start growing your own food, you're going to start looking at life totally different. You're going to start questioning so many things. Mm. Like, damn, why am I doing that? You can't eat no damn diamonds. I mean, look at all the people that, that are employed from the lawyers to the judges, to the bailiffs, to the stenographers, to all the computer equipment that they're buying. Nobody looks at it like that. It's an industry. It's a, one of those too big to fail kind of things. Yeah, it's a much bigger scale problem, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, when you when you talk to people, I had one, a couple, a few white folks, but this one white guy, you know, educated, you know, in his 40s. And he's like, you know, thinking that the numbers of people of color that are in prison. He, and we were talking, he says, wow, Ron, you know, there's just so many, they, they, they just do crime. I said, stop, dude. I said, that's racist as hell. I said, do you? Okay, what? I'm just, I'm not even going to deal with Latins. African-American are, t- what, 12% of the population and it's going to, so, but why are they 60-some percent or more of the people in prison? Does that make any sense? And I told her, I said, that's like, that means my sperms have already did carjackings and robbed banks and, and dealt drugs, dude. I said, it makes no sense. And then I broke it down to him like I just did to you, the economics of it. He literally shaked. He was, he was shook. I mean, like, it's like the, I saw it in his eyes. And I said, do you understand what I'm saying? So you've been here most of your, your life and you thought that, oh, black people do crime like this. It's, it, it makes no sense, dude. So, yeah, people need to um, examine that. So you coined gardening as gangster. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like growing your own food, like printing your own money. And now you got memes with with white women with red hair and different people, you know, using it without putting my quote on it. And they know, they know where it came from. But again, that's the, the magic of, you know, appropriation, gentrification and, you know, cultural attack. It's constant. What was the initial goal by calling it Guarding Was Gangster? What was your initial thought behind that? Well, because, you know, we're inundated with this. So many people follow rap and the whole, oh, that's gangster. When I came up, before all that, it was like, we were, oh, that's gangster. That was gangster, man. It was like, that's fly. That's some dope shit. That was, you know, so it didn't have anything to do with crime or misogyny or, you know, alcohol, weed or violence. You know, it didn't have nothing to do with that. So my thing was just to flip the script. No, this is gangster. Having knowledge, not educated, not indoctrinated, having knowledge is gangster. Air is, try to get more gangster than air. You got to, you can't. You know, air is the most gangster thing on this damn planet. <laughs> so that that's where it was just to change it. The vernacular, like if you're going to be gangster about something, get gangster with Mother Nature, get gangster about Mother Nature, get gangster about this planet we live on, get gangster about growing this food. That's the kind of gangsters that we need, not this violence and, you know, uh, assault and all this kind of shit. That's where it came from. I love that. Yeah. Way to make it relatable right. for people. We're getting close to time here. I want to wrap this up. I got, um, if you got something else, shoot. Yeah, know? so I, I would love to just drop in for people listening right now and they want to they get started and they're like, they're inspired. They want to grow some own produce. They want to they be a gangster gardener. You know, they're inspired by you. What, we're into June already. That crazy? Is that crazy? This I mean, is the, 2020 has been the longest five years of my life. <laughs> yes. Well, hope summer is going to be an average, um, an average <laughs> summer. I don't think it is because right now this heat, I think we're supposed to have crazy heat in the next couple of days. It just heated up easy since we've been hit, sitting here. Well, since we started here, I think we got an extra 20 degrees. Easy. Yeah, well, you're, so, sitting, yeah. you're, you're, you're sitting out in your, um, your fortress there in your <laughs> pool, you know? Put some water and you'll be okay. So ask me that question, bro. Yeah, for, some, for someone who's listening and like, hey, you know, it's June, that maybe should have started planting, a, a planting you know, produce a month or two ago, but I'm in June. What can they plant today at this stage to, you know, reap some of the benefits of summer. And there's still a lot of things you still got. They still got a lot of space to plant things. I mean, you, you still got time to plant some watermelon, especially if, if the heat 
index is where it's going. You still have time. There's a lot of summer crops that thrive in the heat. I mean, you still got tomatoes and uh, tons and tons, hundreds and thousands of varieties of tomatoes. There's certain flowers. A lot of the fruit thrive with this heat. You know, I mean, there's all there's also kind different kinds of um, greens that that are heat tolerant. The bottom line is you got to find out where where you live, what zone you live in, what growing zone. That's the first thing you got to realize. But even that's happened. I mean, stuff is happening happen around here M, that never. I got I literally have peppers that came back four times. And that's now usually a pepper plant gives you peppers and that's it. You need a new plant. I've had peppers that's just come back, come back. And I don't know if it's because now I've created this microclimate or, you know, in here or what, but I've never, I have tomatoes that from last season that gave two different crops and, and the plant is still growing. So we're talking about a plant that's, that's been in over a year, you know, tomatoes. So I'm hearing tomatoes, peppers, watermelon. Those are three things that someone could start planting today. They need to plant them right, right now, right now. Get it going on that to start planting them. And what if, right what if someone doesn't have a garden? Um, they're maybe an apartment in New York City. Um, they maybe got a balcony um, at best. Actually, if you got a balcony, it might be cool because you can um, grow squash. You can grow all kinds of summer squash that, uh, and let the balcony be the uh, trestle for your um, the trellis for, your, uh, the, for the vines to grab onto. You know, you can plant grapes. Uh, cucumbers, all kinds of things like that are still are still viable. Um, but also, if you just got a window, just, you know, put some herbs, put some herbs in your window and cut them from the top and they'll keep growing back. What's the easiest herb to grow? No herb is easy to grow. Everybody <laughs> act like her herbs are hard as hell to grow. <laughs> oh, they're easy. No, they're not. Um, mint. Oh my God, mint, but you got to contain it because it will take over the world. <laughs> All right. So, um, mint, be careful if you're going to grow some mint. Um, and, um, if and beans, some... there's a tons of, oh, tons... green beans, there's... snap no, peas. Okay. Yeah. All that. There's a ton of beans that, um, that can still, that still got time to grow. Fantastic. And what Lagoons. if someone, and, and, and if we, and if we bring that in a bit, even, and no porch, can they still grow something inside with a potter? I mean, food needs sunlight. I food mean, needs sunlight. You have you have these things now that that you can grow inside with the you know the, these new lights that replicate different spectrums of sunshine. You know, it's like they have the indoor growers of different uh, for vegetables and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, it can happen, but I don't know. I mean. Th- Soil and sun is is a beautiful thing. And yeah, do they replicate the light? Yeah, but I still think soil is magic to me, you know? I love that. I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Anything that you want to add or leave people with today? Yeah, I want people to go out and be the forest, you know, biomimicry. When I say be the forest, I mean, look at what happens in the forest. No one's there tilling soil a leaf falls for a reason in a particular season. It's by design. And that leaf is a resource. It's not trash. It's not debris. It's not to be put in a trash can and thrown away. In the forest, a tree falls and what happens? It falls right there in the forest and it becomes a habitat. Mm. And then what happens? It breaks down and it turns right back into what? Soil. So I'll tell people, be the forest and don't stop throwing shit away. 
You know, uh, what can it be? Stop buying stuff that can't be thrown away. Stop buying stuff that can't, that won't decompose. You want to do something for the planet right now. That's what you do. You know, stop buying things that, um, that are contributing to the demise of our mother. If you heal your mother, you heal yourself. I love that. And what's the best way for people listening? Like they want more around, um, where can they find out more about you? They can, my masterclass, for one, uh, I have a masterclass, ronfinley.com. They can hit us up on, uh, on the website. Awesome. Well, hey, Ron, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been mine. It's been, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate this. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really excited to share this interview and your wisdom um, with the world. So awesome work you're doing, man. And just keep up, keep up the great work. Well, all good things. All good things. Talk soon. Everybody. <laughs> That's it for us today, friends. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep in touch, subscribe to my weekly emails at feelingfull.com, where I unpack what I'm learning about weight loss and share ways we can all live healthier, more fulfilling lives. Do you know someone who's struggling right now? If they can use some support, feel free to share this episode with them. And if you have a moment to rate and review, that really helps grow the show. Take care, be well, and feel full.